committee behind me. <laughs> Not all of them left. Did you notice that? <clears throat> and they are armed. No, no, just kidding, just kidding. Right? Somebody's armed? Okay, okay good, good. All right. It is good. <laughs> well, yeah. Always good to be at Calvary. If, if you promise not to tell any of our other churches, okay? <laughs> Honest, this is one of my favorite places to come and be with our family of churches here in Metrolina. 140 kids in this family, and you're one of my favorites. So, uh, <laughs> It is good to be here. I bring you greetings on behalf of our, uh, on behalf of that family of churches, Metropolitan Baptist Association. Uh, things are going well these days. I do want to bring you a quick update in terms of our Great Commission Center. I know when I was here with you before, back you know, pre-Jack, um, before Jack, you know, uh, before Jack was with you, we were talking about praying about seeking the Lord on our Great Commission Center selling our building uptown, moving to the, the location on the plaza. All that has happened. Uh, we moved over there. Our office moved over there in May. We're in the middle of renovations now in Building 2, which used to be the sanctuary building. Uh, actually, this week, the lights go in. So I'm excited about lights going in and you know, electricity and all those kinds of things. But um, uh, God is really blessing. We've been able to get all kinds of work done. Uh, World Changers was with us uh, back in June, and we had 40 40 students and their leaders working like, like bees on a beehive for a whole week there, as well as the construction people we've got helping us out. So we're excited about what God's doing and continuing to, to be excited about the churches that are coming to meet there. Actually, starting next, yeah, starting next Sunday, um, no, Sunday week, sorry, the first Sunday in August, uh, we will have uh, four churches meeting on Sundays in the gym. And uh, once we get the other building ready, we're probably going to jump that up to 10 churches meeting in the facility every Sunday. Um, now that, yeah, that, yeah, somebody said, wow, yeah, me too. Uh, we're just trying to calendar it all and keep everybody from running into each other, but we should be all right. So we're excited about that and looking forward to seeing what God's going to do next as we trust him. So that said, before we jump into the sermon, let's pray and we'll see where the Lord leads us. God, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for blessing us. This morning, thank you for hope in Jesus' name. Thank you for life, Lord, today, for your sake and by your power. Lord, we pray today that you'll help us to direct our attention where it needs to be. Uh, help us, Lord, to hear clearly from your word. <clears throat> thank you for the time of worship thus far that's prepared us for this moment. Lord, help us to hear clearly what the Spirit is saying to your church this Sunday morning. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, <coughs> Amen. I, I say what I'm getting ready to say with a little bit of trepidation because of the year we're in, but, uh, but here we go. Are you ready? <coughs> Put on your seatbelt. We're in the middle, <laughs> as if I had to tell you, we're in the middle of one of the most difficult and unusual election years in my life. Now, I don't know about you. I've been around 55 years. Um, I don't know what happened in the early 60s. I wasn't conscious enough yet, Okay. Um, I, mean, I was there, but, you know, who cared? You know, I just wanted something to eat and sleep and all that kind of thing. But anyway, but after about five or six years, or ten years, say, started paying attention, and I've never known anything like this. Now, some of you have been around, you know, 60 years. Um, <laughs> we won't say older than that, but some of you have been around decades longer than that, probably. Um, and you probably, I'm guessing, maybe have not seen a year like this then either. I mean, the two major party candidates are two of the least liked candidates in political history. Yeah, yeah, as a, yeah, amen, all God's people said, yeah. 
Okay. Now, I was going to take a vote today. If you would like to just start a petition that no more campaign ads be broadcast. No. <laughs> now, you, you know, but you know what it's like. Every four years it's this way to a point. But this year's like to the nth degree. It's, it's, it's awful. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, all my life. I've been part of one particular political party. You could probably figure that one out. And every four years, that party's put forth a candidate for president that I've supported, some more than others. Okay? Biblical values have helped drive that perspective. And the integrity of the leader that's offered as our next president has also helped drive that perspective and that decision. This year is different. I'm not here to tell you to vote for one or the other, Trump, Clinton, or Johnson, because you wonder who Johnson is. He's the libertarian, and a whole lot of people are talking about him now, and amazingly, okay? I'm not here to talk, tell you to vote for one of them or anybody else. I'm becoming more and more convinced, though, that God in his sovereignty is allowing all of this to happen in our nation, maybe for one simple reason. Well, it's good to be with you today. <laughs> no, no, no. <clears throat> Get your pen and pencil out. We're going to talk about that reason, okay? Here's what I believe it is. We have put our hope in, our focus on our futures in the hands of one politician or another. And we get all excited about ours. And we put bumper stickers on our cars and trucks and boats and whatever else we've got. And we talk about it on and on and on, especially in an election year. Could it be, could it be that this year, with our nation in the condition we're in, could it be that God could be allowing all this to happen so that we who claim to be Christians, we who are the church in America, might remember that our hope, our hope is not in a Democrat or Republican or libertarian, or any other kind of animal. Neither is it in the Constitution of the United States. Now, I like it, but my hope isn't in the U.S. Constitution, folks. Neither is it in this country. Neither is it in the way of life I'm blessed to live here. My hope is not based in anything inside the borders of this country. Church, our focus, my focus, our hope, my hope, all our attention and our futures are to be focused solely on Jesus the Christ, the Lord of all, who is coming back one sweet day to make this mess right in God's sight. That's the point. I mean, I know we've said that before, and we, we talk like that sometimes. But folks, I really believe the time for serious attention to that truth is now. Because, I don't know about you, I'm just being honest. I've tended in the past, in an election year, to talk more about my political candidate for president than I have about Jesus. That's got to stop. My hope's not in any of those guys or gals, Okay? My hope's in Jesus, period. And if, if we could hang on to that truth and let other people know they don't have hope, know that truth. Wow, what could happen? You know? That's not, uh, listen to me. Think about everything that's going on. 
and what I just said and think about the amazing opportunity God has given us. Think about it. I mean, people are going to be wringing their hands from now till November, wondering who is going to win that election. And everybody is almost equally concerned about whoever wins it. Good. Maybe it'll help us put our attention where it needs to be. You know, maybe it will. Maybe it will. We're not in another time. We're not in another year. We're not in another situation. We're not living in the quote-unquote whatever they were, whenever they were, good old days. We're not in a nation who honors God. We're not able to see things business as usual. These are crucial days. These are days when we must be focused on the most important truths of life. Focused, laser focused. Uh, And just so you know, Bob is preaching to Bob today first. You get to overhear it, okay? All right? We've got to be focused on these important truths, the important truth. And these are days when we can't put our trust in politicians or parties or nations or constitutions. These are days when we as Christians must put our focus on, our attention on, our central reason for being on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. The Father sent him for us. The Spirit empowers us to follow him. So let's get with it. Let's do something about it. Philip Nation, one of our leaders in Southern Baptist Life, put it this way. He said, at the core of the gospel, this thing we claim and what we hope in, is not an idea, but a person, Christ. At the core of God's mission is not the action of not an action by humans, not an action by humans, but the work accomplished by God the Son through his incarnation. Christ is the center of God's mission. Christ is the center of who we're supposed to be, and we're the beneficiaries of who he is and what he's done. And we need to be telling people that. Now, when I say central, I mean above all, preeminent, the absolute focus. Jesus Christ is the, is to be, and should be the absolute focus as Christ, for us as Christians and for us as the church. Love for Jesus is absolutely why we do what we do. Period. Now, we could stop, sing a hymn, and go home and eat chicken on that one, okay? Because that's the way it is. But we're not done yet, okay? We've got a little more time. Good. For the Christian and for the church, life isn't about us. Life is about Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ is at the core of all, the center of all, the reason for all, for all time and for eternity. Is this making sense? Good. So it's important to remember this always, but not always, but now, 2016, in the midst of the culture, in the midst of the politics, in the midst of the nation we live in, it's even more important than ever. So today, in the rest of our time, we're going to have a, take a moment to get a fresh reminder of the preeminence of Christ, the centrality of Jesus, the one who is now and forevermore the King of kings and Lord of lords. Returning together, if you would, if you have your Bibles, to Colossians chapter 1. You can read verses 13 to 20. In Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 20. Okay. Different translations have different headings over these sections of the, car, the, the Bible that my wife, who's with me today, and you know that if I use her name, she gets addressed, so wave wife, she's down front, okay? 
Carla. It's Carla. Okay. So one time, that was just an excuse. Okay. One time. Uh, the Bible she's using has the centrality of Christ as the title of that section. My uh, New American Standard has the incomparable Christ as the title of this section. You get the point. This is talking about Jesus. So listen to what uh, Colossians 1, 13 to 20 have to say. It starts right here. Verse 13. For he, this is the God, the Father, rescued us. Father's and Holy Spirit. Okay. Rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now hang on these words, describing Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Hang on to that word. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that, in, that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Lord, speak to us today through your word. Help us hear clearly what the Spirit's saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in our text, Paul, inspired of the Holy Spirit, wants to prove the, cent the centrality of Christ, the preeminence of the Lord Jesus with four, <clears throat> as Wearsby puts it, with four unanswerable arguments. So look at them together. Four arguments from Colossians 1 on the centrality of Christ. Who is this Christ, this Jesus, that we say is central to all? Now, you, you may not be a Christian today. Just here with us. You may, not, you may not be a follower of Jesus. Or you may have been a Christian for 40 years. Either way, we need to hear exactly who Jesus is today so that we can decide what we're going to believe about him. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I get tired of just saying about it and not living about it. I say one thing and do another, that sounds kind of hypocritical, doesn't it? Let's not do that anymore. At least not today. So who is this Jesus? First, taking notes, here's the first point. Simple, biblical truth. First, Christ is the Savior. He is our Savior. Verses 13 and 14 outline that for us. A few points about that. The verses tell us that he, the Savior, rescued us. Look at verse 13a. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. It means he rescued us from danger. It's a picture of being snatched from the jaws of death. Jesus delivered us from a couple different things, specifically from God's judgment, because we stood in, 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 in line for God's judgment if Jesus didn't do something. He also delivered us, speaking of darkness, he delivered us from the authority of Satan. He delivered us from the powers of darkness. Now, hang on to that. <clears throat> well, I struggle so with sin. Well, this tells us that Jesus delivered us from the powers of darkness. So if I'm not living delivered from the powers of darkness, what's the issue? Where's, right. But wh wh where's Bob walking? What are we doing that's keeping us from that? Because Jesus has already paid for it. He's already done it. He's rescued us. That's past tense. Rescued us from the powers of darkness. Second, he, the Savior, transferred us. I love this idea. I mean, 
actually, when I was reading and studying this, I thought, ooh, Star Trek and the transporter beam, you know? He <laughs> doesn't work, but this works here, okay? He transferred us, look, from the kingdom or to the kingdom of his beloved son, meaning he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. We got a transfer ticket. And the, the idea there is of immigration. We got to immigrate from darkness to light. We got to move from death to life. Jesus made it possible through that transfer he made possible for us. Third, he the, he the Savior redeemed us. It says we have redemption, meaning he paid the price for us. The, the meaning behind the word is to release a prisoner by payment of a ransom. Jesus paid the ransom for us. He paid the life price for us, the Father's price. He met the holy demands of God's law and paid our way by redeeming us. And then he, the Savior, has forgiven us. Redemption and forgiveness go together. We've been redeemed, the price has been paid, and he's taken that sin and has forgiven us by his grace. Like that, that amazing grace we sang about this morning, you better believe it. See? So, the Savior's rescued us, transferred us, redeemed us, and forgiven us. Christ has not only set us free and transferred us to a new kingdom, but he's canceled every debt so that we cannot be enslaved again. Satan can't find anything in the files that's going to indict us, as Jesus took care of us. So yes, Christ is the Savior, above all, sovereign and gracious, no one else, no one else, no political candidate, no, no, nobody else, okay, could redeem us, forgive us, transfer us out of Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom, and do it all completely by grace. It's all through his blood, the ultimate price by the perfect Savior. So, Hang on to that. Christ is the Savior. You ever want to know who the Savior is? There it is. Go back to Colossians 1. That's what it says. Second, Christ is the Creator. Now, I don't know what it was, but growing up, as a, I grew up as a Christian. I, mean, I was in church from, the, from my second week of life on the cradle roll. Okay, if you don't know what a cradle roll is, ask one of the older people. Okay? It's when it's bring kids to the nursery, sign them up. Okay? I was enrolled in Sunday school, two weeks old. Okay? From that point till I'd been a Christian a good while. I didn't realize, somehow hadn't clicked, that I always thought God created, Jesus saved. And that, that's true, but Jesus also created, according to what Colossians 1 tells us. Christ is the creator. Look what it says, starting in verse 15. <clears throat> He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, existed before creation. Now, firstborn doesn't mean he's the, he's the, he was first and then everything else came. No, it means he was before time. Doesn't refer to time, it refers to place or status. He is, that's his rank. He is the firstborn. Okay? He's, he's number one. Firstborn of all creation means prior to all creation. He was not created. He was. He is. I am. Make sense? That's Jesus. Okay? In Christ, we see the image of the invisible God. God in the flesh. God in the flesh. It's that line from, I love the Christmas song. You, you know it. It's popular now. Mary, did you know, when you kissed your little baby, the songs asked Mary, did you know that you kissed the face of God? Yeah, God with us, Jesus. Previous to all created all. He created all things, verse 16a says, a says look at it, first part of verse 16. Um, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things created <coughs> by him. All things, everything. Now, yes, that implies, not imply, it says, he not only created everything physical we know, he created everything spiritual that we know. 
Everything. He's the source. Now, yes, Satan and his minions took their turn, turned away from the Father. But since Jesus is the creator, he created it all. Now, some people see a debate there. (laughs) Not if you realize he's God. You know, last time I tried to have a debate with God, didn't go well. No? I mean, he's he's before all, folks. I mean, we're not talking about just a little bit. We're talking about all for anything. He's God in the flesh. He created all things. No wonder the winds and the waves obeyed him and the diseases and death fled from him. He's the creator and master of all of them. I mean, anyways, but <clears throat> sometimes I revert back to my country upbringing, you know. So, so I mean, when Jesus said get, uh, they got, you know, and left. Includes all things, heaven, earth, visible, invisible. What if I can't understand or don't like this? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Remember, Chuck Swindoll was talking not long ago. I heard him on the radio. I actually heard him on a podcast, not the radio. Anyway, I used to hear him on the radio. Anyway. But um, he was talking about a particular passage of Scripture. He said, read it, and he said, some people say, I really don't like the way that reads, the way it says we're supposed to do that. And his response was, I I don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't care about that because that's what God says we're supposed to do. And in this situation, it says Jesus created all. I don't understand that. So it's still true. I just have to believe it and celebrate in it. Because not only is my creator, my creator is also my savior, as we've already heard, right? And all things, now get this, this one got to let sink in. Verse 16b, second half of verse 16. All things, how much is included at all? That, that Greek word means all, okay? <laughs> all, okay? 16b, it really, really does, honest. Okay, but <clears throat> all right, 16b, all things have been created through him and for him. So how much of my stuff or what I want has been created or made just for me? None of it. All, again, all things, it's all things, have been created by him and for him. In other words, if I have something, who's it belong to? It's created for him. But I want to keep it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, know, the old story, the hearse with the U-Haul trailer behind it. Yeah, I actually, I actually didn't see a picture of one of those before. Somebody probably just doing a prank. But still, that's a joke, okay? Because we don't get to take it with us, do we? And neither do we get to keep it here forever, do we? Because last time I checked, if I get too comfortable in what I have, I'm going to lose it. Because I'm not supposed to be focused on, here we're going back to the start this morning. I'm not supposed to be focused on what I have, what I want, who I want, or what's going on around me. I'm supposed to be focused on who? On Jesus. He's central. The centrality of Christ. All things exist for him. Jesus is the sphere. Just picture this. He's the sphere in which all exist. He's the agent through which they came into being, and he's the one for whom they were made. We were made. So again, as I said earlier, you may be a Christian, you may not be a Christian, but Either way, you belong to Jesus. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. That just means your destiny is in his hands. Now, he's paid the price for you. But if you've not made it right with him by turning to him in faith and believing what we're talking about today, there's no hope. 
apart from Jesus. Amen? He holds all things together. Verse 17 says, in him, I love that. Verse 17, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, now this, this is stepping on a pet peeve of mine. I've been in a few church situations, a few now, when somebody was being celebrated, something's going on, okay? And the comment was made, oh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they're the glue that holds our church together. If anybody ever says that about me, slap them. And then slap me to get my attention, okay? Because, folks, I can't hold anything together. Neither can you. Jesus holds all things together. And if he's not, you know, again, he's jealous for his glory. If I start saying, oh, look what I did, watch out. You know, people, you hear about people being struck by lightning? Uh-huh. Watch out. Not literally, but maybe, I don't know. Whatever he needs to do to get my attention, he's going to do it. Why? Because he's the one that holds all things together. He's the Savior. He's the creator of all. And that demonstrates his centrality. His preeminence in life. His glue, he is the glue that keeps us together. A guy just taken a group through a nuclear lab at one point. True story. And they were explaining how all matter consists of molecules. Mo molecules. Molecules. And um, the guide was saying, we've, did, we've discovered that molecules are made primarily of space. In other words, there's, there are gaps between all this stuff. Including everything that holds us together. All the, uh, the things that make us up. Atoms, whatever, all that stuff. I don't understand it all. I'm just telling you a story, okay? <clears throat> but when he said it's made up primarily of space, somebody asked, well, then what holds it all together? The guide, had, the, the guide had no clue. But we know the answer, don't we? Jesus holds it all together. Now, that, that truth just from science gives us an idea. Well, if, all, if everything is made up of atoms and molecules that have space in them, what is holding us together? Some would, some would say an electrical charge. Around, well, who put the electrical charge there? I don't have that kind of drop cord. You know? Who makes it possible? Jesus does. Yeah, I can really s explain science with a drop cord. That's good. Okay. But the point is, Jesus holds us all together. Now, next, third big point. Christ is the head of the church. We're winding down here, I promise. Verse 18. There are a lot of images in the New Testament that gives us, give us pictures of what the church is, but the body image, that body picture, is most important. Now remember, the body of Christ includes all believers, all of us who follow Jesus. For example, here in the Charlotte area, all who name and follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, we're all part of that body. Now we go to different places to worship on Sundays or Saturdays or whenever else we worship, but we're all part of the body. And if we're a body, who's the head of it? Jesus is. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. Head can mean leader, it can mean ruler, it can mean source and origin. Jesus is all of the above. He's the absolute Lord, the complete source, the creating origin of the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he meant it. And he's still doing it. I mean, so much has happened in the church here in America that can be blamed on the fact that too many people here think the church belongs to them. Mm. Did he just say that? Yeah, he just said that. Okay. Well, folks, it's not about us. It's about the head. And if I have an issue or a question, I just have to look to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you say about that? And usually he tells me, and I often don't like what he says. 
But I have to get over that because he's Lord. And as the old saying goes, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He's the head. Sad reality. One day Jesus will return. Many who thought they were part of the church will find they're only part of a religious organization that had absolutely no connection to the body of Christ. Absolutely none. And they'll say, but we thought, what well, doesn't, folks, it doesn't matter till we get down to what this book says and about who Jesus says he is. And if we're not on our faces before him in worship and humility, we're missing the point. So how do we avoid that scenario? We make sure we're absolutely and completely submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that anything and everything we do is yielded to his control in prayerful humility. Christ is the, <laughs> this is good, you ready? Christ is the head of his church and that's not up for a vote. Amen. All right, we close with this. Fourth, verses 19 and 20, just to remind us, it's simple, but it's powerful. Christ is the supernatural answer to the needs of the world. Listen to what it says in verse 19 and 20. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It was God's pleasure for all the fullness of himself to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile, how many things? All things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Jesus perfectly demonstrates for us that he's the answer we're looking for. So what? So what? I know if you're my age or around it or no matter what, what age you are, if you've been in church for more than a few weeks, we come to church on a Sunday morning, we hear a message, sing a few songs, take an offering, pray some, and then go home or go somewhere. And maybe too often than not, for me or for all of us, our attention really isn't focused on what's happening right now. So what? Out of everything I've said this morning, four things to remember. And this is really boiling it down, but this is it. Jesus, first, has taken care of everything. What has he not taken care of? What did I just say? He's taken care of everything. All, repeat, just a second, all we need. How much? All we need is found in a relationship with him. Now, there's another place we could just say, period, go home, remember it. All, we need, all I need, all you need, all you need is found in a relationship with him. And then it turns to our responsibility. Well, if that's true, then what happens? Third, God is pleased. According to what the text says, God is pleased when his son, the father is pleased when his son, Jesus, is given first place. Now, we have to intentionally do that or else somebody else is going to get to sit on the throne. And like a pastor here in Charlotte used to say, used to love to hear Jim say this, he used to say, you know, when, when Jesus decides to sit down on his throne, I don't want to be there. Sitting on his throne. You know? 
I mean, I used to think it's bad when my dad would, you know, play and sit down on me, you know, when, we're, when I was in his chair and he'd sit on me and crush me, <laughs> not literally, but he would make me think I was going to. <clears throat> I used to do that with our girls. That was play. I don't want to be on sitting on Jesus' throne when he comes to sit on it. And he's there right now, folks. Are we there? He is worthy. Fourth, he is worthy of worship, trust, and obedience. So, how will you respond to this news from God's word? And who are you going to tell about it? We're going to be hearing ad infinitum for the next several months, political ad after political ad for this person, that person, everybody and his brother and sister, okay? They're just trying to get our attention. What are we going to be doing to get other people's attention with this news that we've talked about today? Will Christ be central in your life or not? Will it be central in my life? Or not? And will we be the witnesses we were created to be or not? I need to decide that today. You need to decide that today. We all need to decide that today. I'll just tell you one thing. If all of us in this room, just those of us in this room, decided we were going to be serious about applying what we've heard today to who we are and what we do, this whole region would know about it before next Sunday. That's not an exaggeration. That's just the truth. How many here in the room today? 150, I don't know, between 100 and 200? Uh, that number of people make a lot of difference, you know? If it just takes a small squad of seals to go in and take over a town, hey, we can take over a lot of towns in love and in Jesus' name. Lord, that's our prayer today. You'll get our attention, Lord. Lord, you know the struggles this nation is facing. You know the struggles your church is facing all across this nation. Lord, with 90% of all churches dealing with struggle and decline, it's 9 out of 10, Father. Lord, I'm convinced that one of the main reasons for that is we've forgotten who is supposed to be in the center of attention. We give lip service to it but we don't live it. So Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, help us to focus on you, Lord Christ. Help us to point others to you. And today, if there's someone in this room, Lord, that has never made the step of faith to believe in you as Savior and Lord, may today be the day. Lord, encourage them to talk to one of us here during the invitation time or talk to someone that they trust after the service this morning. Lord, your will be done in all this. Your will be done in our nation. Lord, we pray first and foremost that you would revive your church so that we could remember and would remember and tell others about you, Jesus. All things are created by and for you. You hold us all together. You hold everything together. Help us to live and talk like we believe that. In Jesus' name. If you need to make any kind of decision today, especially if you need to trust in Christ,